Hey everyone, how's it going? Happy St. Patrick's Day. Today is uh, episode 39 on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Marley Silverbrand. And joining me today is like, he's my really good friend from back in the day, back in college. Connor, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing okay. <laughs> uh, we, we haven't spoken in like a really long time. And I guess like we're taking quarantine to just kind of caught back up. So if I have someone new on this podcast, I always ask people like, how has 2020 like, been for you and like have you been staying safe like like how's your mental health like during (laughs) (laughs) it's it's been tough yeah i was out of work in february and i did not know what was happening and i finally like a friend got me an interview with survivor to be a transcriber logger Mm -hmm. on the show and i was super excited for that that was like what i'd been sort of angling for for like my entire film production career such as it was and then it was going to start in march and you know the rest (laughs) (laughs) basically it's been one year today since like california and basically the entire country has been on lockdown and it's when i heard that stat today i was like i was like are you kidding me it has it doesn't even feel like it's been one year and it feels like it's also been like 50 years i feel like i've aged like I feel like I'm like 65 at this point. It's it's just so crazy. Uh, I've but, gained like 20 pounds. It, yeah, it, I look completely different. Yeah, I, I look completely different too. But that's so unfortunate, Connor, because <laughs> I know that like when like when we last like met, like you were just moving to L.A., like you got into USC, which I was so super like happy for you. And I remember like we like we we were going to try and be roommates like at that time. And yeah. It was, I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, I was looking forward to it too. And then I, it was like in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know. It's I've always had a big problem with like taking risks. And yeah. I was just like, I don't know. Like it was just one of those things where it's like, like I didn't get into USC and then you, you got into USC and I didn't want to like be down there like without a job. And I don't know. It's it's kind of like a dangerous situation for me, but I, I was super happy for you. and. Like you, you just graduated like last last year, right? Like two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a ride. As much asking you because I was as afraid of the risk as you were, and I was like, I need a friend down there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I I still think like I I think we could have made it. You know, having that that support network is really helpful. And there were jobs down there at the time, and there's still a time to do it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like you always have. I'm gonna try to move down there in this summer and you always have a place there okay Um, like go for it appreciate you man (laughs) yeah yeah if there's one thing this pandemic taught me is it's that i'm not comfortable with risk like i remember thinking that (laughs) there was there was a one in 100 chance that you would die if you got it and i was like nope it's too much for my blood i'm out (laughs) right (laughs) you're you're currently back in like sonora right like yeah um, yeah i've just been chilling here the entire yeah, the entire pandemic. And yeah, so my, yeah. If anyone doesn't know, like, Snore is like a really small town. And like, how is the pandemic like up there? Is like, how are people like kind of treating it up there? Is it as crazy as it is like in Sacramento or some someplace like LA where it's like. I don't even know how it is in LA and Sacramento, but I can tell you that there's a very strong anti mask contingent in, in Sonora. This, this, this whole county went for Trump by like 20 points. Oh, wow. uh, 
that sounds like Sonora. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, and and like all the bars were never closed. People went in there all the time, and uh, it was just really tough. Like a couple of my friends, doubt since would be calling home and telling their parents, like, you got to stop going out. This is very serious. You could die. And they're like, it's a scam. It's a pandemic. You don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's all a, you know, conspiracy to get Bill Gates to give us microchips. <laughs> and uh, have you heard that one before? That's yeah. it's a very common one, sadly. Yeah, I just heard that one recently. And I also heard it's like also like Bill Gates is putting 5G in us. And I'm like, mm. I, I would be totally down with Bill Gates <laughs> 5G in me. If I yeah. can get a better internet connection, I'm like, just mobile internet connection? Like, that's pretty dope. I'm like, yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound so bad to me. I'm Bill Gates, all hail Bill Gates, the overlord. Right. Uh, like, that's, okay. <laughs> it's like he hasn't, as far as I know, Bill Gates hasn't really done anything like, like horrible. Like, can, can you think of anything like off, like off the top of your head? It's like, uh, you know, my dad used to say that he stole the mouse from Xerox and that was enough. That's all I can really pin him on. Uh, right. Some, yeah. Some progressives are like, oh, he's, you know, he's messing with the the world health market especially in third world countries and he's sort of like putting all of these elites into it but you know at least he's doing something right but he's he's doing something i i always saw bill gates as someone that's like i I think it was more of his wife in in this situation where he was always very charitable It, it kind of made it seem like maybe like like as i got older i was like oh maybe his wife is just Showing him how to spend his money, like oh, go save the children in Africa, like go 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 do this. But um, <laughs> enough about Bill Gates. Like you said, like <laughs> <laughs> like how was your USC experience? I'll just like like oh, yeah. you obviously went there for film. It's like I've I've really mixed feelings about it because you really only succeed uh, to the degree that you're promised a success if you are both a socialite and already rich because you can afford to like go to class and not work because it's a 12 hour days every day in the film program. It's insane. And then you make all of your connections through socializing with people. And there was definitely like an in crowd and the merits of their production skills were dubious, but they were beautiful children that mm-hmm. <laughs> did everything <laughs> right. You know, and they've gone on to like like some of the people I knew there are Sundance fellows and like uh, have agents now to direct commercials and have started production companies, which is what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to get like a camera loan to get like a sixty thousand dollar business loan for an Airy mm-hmm. and then become an independent DP. Mm-hmm. And some of, some of my friends did that. And I was like, how, how the hell are you surviving? And they're like, oh, well, my parents live in Orange County and I don't pay rent and I don't have car insurance and I don't have need health insurance because I'm still young. And so that's how I can afford college and this camera loan. And that's how I can afford being prepared to go out and do all of these freelance jobs that pay very, very little or nothing and build my reel to the point where I can actually get a real job in the industry, which was really disappointing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think I see most of those people like on Instagram where yes. they're driving Teslas and like, obviously like, like they have like this super nice camera and I'm just like that Tesla is probably daddy's money and he's probably not paying insurance. And it's just like, it's, it's so frustrating. Like, cause I think the I think when I first met you, Connor, like, didn't you say that you got into Brooks Institute of Photography? 
I knew somebody who was in there and I thought they were deranged. They were taking pictures of babies in harsh lighting, but not real babies, fake babies. Oh, okay. Um, and that was their like entire photographic repertoire, which was insane to me. And that was how they got into Brooks. So it was, it was very inclusive, exclusive atmosphere of, of artists. It made me like, kind of glad like i like i turned down going to that school just because i found out like two years ago they lost their accreditation oh i'm not so, surprised so <laughs> so it made me like really glad that i didn't take out two hundred thousand dollars worth of loans that the counselor was like telling me like hey uh, you should do this you'll get a job like right away and i'm like it's really disappointing because i feel like most like film schools like they market themselves to like like you said like the like the rich kids that like the parents are trying to get them out of how out of the house. And it's yeah. like, they're obviously like on Instagram all day or they like now, I guess, I guess it would be TikTok, where they're just like, their parents are like, you need to get out of your room. You can go do something. And I'm like, well, I want to make movies. And they're like, fine, here's like a hundred thousand dollars to do whatever you want. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is that enough? And I'm like, and then even hearing like the, the college scandal too, about like, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that was like infuriating to me. Like, that that was over a year ago, right? Like in twenty twenty. Uh, I don't even time means nothing anymore. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Right. Um, but I remember that and and being like, mm, not surprised. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't go all the way towards it's negative on on USC because I also met a lot of great people and it's uh, man. The other thing is they don't give any technical skills or teaching uh, for technical skills. The cinematography and photography classes were jokes and the, the editing classes were like very tepid. They gave you an intro to the program, but only if you ended up making a thesis film, you, you did that. But to their credit, I now know how to work with people, even if I hate them. And I've had screaming matches over who ordered the dolly in a Denny's. And I've had like, great interactions with uh, people over font color and every manner of creative decision. And so like, I'm very prepared to go into like a creative industry where you have to talk about abstract things all the time. I just don't have the technical skills to back it up and you have to learn that on the job. And it was also, it was also a great experience. Like I, there was a professor that everybody liked that lives in the Hitchcock mansion that. (laughs) Yeah. He, and, and he, he spoke to like, 400 people at a time and he would run through the rows and spit on people when he talked and and really just psych people out like if 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 he wanted a question answered he would zone in on you and i once saw him grab a girl by the shoulders and shake her for the answer and i'm pretty sure she was like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) so it it was it was a crazy place uh, um, well i sure hope that professor is wearing a a mask now (laughs) going around (laughs) spitting on people that instructor has probably not aged very well so in 2021 but i don't know like it's like film school has always been like that's why like i really just took like my film classes at columbia college and like mm-hmm. it was and just like met really cool people because when it comes down to it i feel like that's what college is just about it's like learning to talk to people and forming connections and just so you can work with these people for like the rest of your lives so yeah. it's like and even like like going back to like like kind of like the rich kids like like in school like th- did you see some of those rich kids like at Columbia College like I couldn't uh, I couldn't pick them out of a crowd but they were definitely the ones I would guess that were in shape that's mm-hmm. my that's my two cents 
Yeah, I, I just remember that there was always this this forget which car it was because I'm really bad. I'm a really bad car guy, but it was like this <laughs> brand new car. He would drive it like all the way to the lower parking lot where everyone wanted to park. And it was there's like it was like a specific parking spot. And I'm just like, yep, that guy knows the Dean. And I'm like, mm, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, it's just uh, it's it's kind of a frustrated, frustrating world we live in. But but yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. To your credit, you had it turns out just as many technical and creative skills as anybody at the end of their USC career. Um, oh, what? Yeah. You- it's, not, it's not like it was a special educational experience. I mean, it was only insofar as every ed- educational experience is, is pretty good. And like you, you can get them you know the professors and the professors were probably a little better than Columbia. Like one of them was an actual producer. Did she told us crazy stories about the movies that she's produced? Um, mm-hmm. But the the whole draw is the um, they call it the USC Mafia, and it's true. Like people will hire you just because you went to USC, irregardless of their educational quality, and just because they went to USC as well. And the professors will pick people to succeed that they think are like the top of the class with the full knowledge that those people will then bring up everybody else out of the vacuum that they create when they leave a job. So like the, the editor that I knew there who had the blessing of not being like majorly depressed through most of it. Uh, Cause that was the other thing. Don't go up there if you're in bad mental health, like she was a star and a great editor. And so she, got a job at Survivor right out of the gate and then moved on to theater trailer editing. Mm-hmm. And she got me the job at Survivor and then recommended me for other positions. Um, one of which I just had an interview for. So it's definitely true that like, it's like the key. It will all have been worth it. Yeah. The yeah. Key yeah. To the it, industry. It's the key to the industry. Yeah. And so, so likewise, if you know Avid and you know me, I might be able to get you a job. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, but, I just once once this is all 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 over, I just want to get back to like working like on like film sets or just like yeah, just like anything like because I know there's plenty of like people that are like doing productions like during COVID like mm-hmm. I think like Tyler Perry like he did like a bubble production. Mm. It's just I don't want to take that risk of just like working with someone and they accidentally have it and they like held had the mask below their nose. It's like. That's why I started like this podcast like during quarantine because it's 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 a creative outlet that I can like that I can just continue to push through and not like and just and just uh, not lose the stuff that I already like lost like through the years and stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a worthy goal and Mm -hmm. something to to put in your cap and definitely something that keeps you like posted because I know a lot of people have also there's been a diaspora from the industry as every production shuts down the survivors coming back in, in May and it looks like they're going to cut their season shorter and then, and film less and they're not paying people very well as it is. And they like (laughs) props to them. They were going to go and film in Fiji like they do every year. And Fiji was like, we only have one case. We don't need any more cases. You're going to like double our caseload if you come. So you can't come as long as, as the United States at large continues to not wear a mask. And uh, so it, it also, yeah, it also, it bugs me because this was all preventable. If people had gotten their act together and acted as a community and as a nation for, for all of the 
talk of patriotism. It's not a lot of not a lot of patriotism here. I think that what bothers me is like <clears throat> completely agree with you is 100% preventable, but it's per- 100% preventable just by wearing a piece of cloth over your face. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not. And everyone's saying, like, it violates my rights. It's like, like, and it's saying that they can't breathe or I have asthma. It's like, I'm like, I'm, in 2020, like all those people that wanted to argue with me, I was just like, no, what? fine, <laughs> go, go do you. But I'm going to wear my mask so I don't like get sick. So it's like, it's I completely lost like faith in like the human race in 2020. It was like hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in 2020, it was just like, no, I'm just, it's just done. So, yeah, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm just going to use the same language. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the social dilemma? Uh, like, I, I read the article that it was based on, so I can talk about it. But I, when I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is just the l- article I read, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and and so I, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. It's a fascinating documentary. I'm yes. not sure if it's one of the better documentaries that I've seen, but it's such an interesting documentary about like how like these tech companies were formed and like what they're actually designed for and how mm-hmm. people are using them. And it's like I said, I wouldn't say it's like a perfect documentary because I think like the like they they have like these little like reenactments like kind of edited into the in, into the documentary that I thought that are pretty cheesy. I think Mm -hmm. like one of the main actors in the reenactments is like the same dude that was on Timothy Oliphant. Oh yeah. Netflix show. He's definitely known for, um, that, uh, cowboy Marshall Jarrett show that I watched and don't remember the, the Santa Clarita diet. Yeah. It's, it's the same kid from, from that show. Yeah. And he's like in it, like saying like, Oh, technology is so bad. I'm like so addicted and it's super cheesy. And I'm just like, just go back to like the it, like the talking heads because I'm I'm enjoying these people talking, but I forget who actually says this, but like it was like one of the creators of like Twitter and stuff like that, and they like talk about like how like when they first created it, like like th- these apps were sp- supposed to be meant for tools for mm-hmm. communication, and people are using them as a way of like benefiting their life instead of like a tool to uh, like sort of like get themselves through lives. It's like, it's turned, like it's turned into like a marketing tool instead of like a tool to like communicate, which is super frustrating. And if I were like one of the creators of like these, of these networks that you have like these grand, like plans for like how it's going to change the world. And then people start posting like conspiracy theories on it. It's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh God. But what what was the article that you read? I I read a, a bunch. I'm really into, uh, longform.org which i highly recommend they they post like the best longform stories around the internet and that's their tagline but it's also true and uh i i read ones that were op-eds from uh, facebook and google developers talking about the design decisions they made one of one of the big ones was making the notification symbol a red dot as opposed to any other color made people click on the notification thing a lot more even if it was not actually a notification that was very important to them. And then it became like gambling. So they're actually teaching people to gamble every time they clicked on the notification button. Was it going to be a good notification that was going to give them a loss of dopamine? Or was it going to give them just any old thing? And they actually kind of priced into the system 
the ideas that not everything was going to actually be relevant to you in order to give you that, that dopamine rush when it actually was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also talked about like the endless scroll being like a slot machine and, uh, and the action of updating just via the scroll, your, your newsfeed or whatever was like gambling as well. You're always looking for that, like thing that's actually relevant to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, man, I totally, I totally feed into that. I scroll Reddit for hours sometimes when I'm bored. Yeah, I do that on Twitter, like almost every single day, especially when I'm trapped in between these four walls. Uh, like, yep. <laughs> like when there's nothing left, like uh, I scroll down to like update and then here's another tweet that pops in and it becomes like a game where it's like, oh, how many tweets, how many new tweets will I have today and stuff like that. It's it's kind of mind blowing that like a single person or a single team came up with like an idea with that that basically controls like the people that use it and controls the company that the companies that we use today. It's yeah, it, it's absolutely mind blowing. And like in the documentary that I forget the guy's name, but he's the one that actually, I think he directed it and, and like, he's the main dude, like in the documentary mm. and he, he like, he worked at Google like originally. And he was the one that, that basically sent out a red flag email saying like, Hey, I think what we're doing here is actually like really harmful to like people that use it. It's like, it's, it's changing our brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. And he was the, he basically got silenced at Google. It's like, what are you doing? This is how we make money. And it's like, and he eventually left Google. And it's funny now that Google is like creating like these apps that have like timers on them and like quality of life, like, like improvements of like, uh, here's, here's how much you've been on your screen. It's like, it's, it's super interesting that, they basically modernize like his idea to have make sure people are like not on their on their devices. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> That's the only way that it could be implemented as something that could be monetized. Uh, yeah, with their end goal. I highly recommend this podcast by the New York Times called Rabbit Hole, mm-hmm. um, and it's about uh, YouTube's uh, video algorithm. Uh, the quote was, "It's like a supercomputer is directed at your brain, with the entire goal of keeping you on YouTube." Mm-hmm. And they found that it was a radicalization pipeline. They talked to these guys that were radicalized to the far right and white supremacist views from just standard centrist views just by watching YouTube videos and having new YouTube videos recommended to them. And they were just slowly over a year pushed towards like alt-right and KKK stuff. And they tried to walk that back by instituting editorial oversight and implementing uh, like pushes towards what they call quality videos, which has helped to their credit. Like they, that guy was since de-radicalized by being exposed to like ContraPoints and other like progressive bread tube uh, users, mm-hmm. but uh, they're still using editorial oversight in order to push people towards things. It's, it's just now like a human rather than a computer, which is still its own, problem like they're no longer this sort of and they never were an impartial deliverer of content there's always some sort of human intelligence behind it in terms of what you're getting uh which is something to definitely be aware of yeah uh i I, i'm definitely like aware of it and especially like uh, i think tiktok obviously is like a like uses like that algorithm like like big time and during like 
like the pandemic, I had nothing else to do. So I was like, no, I'll download TikTok, especially since Trump hates it. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to download it. And I find myself like it's 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 almost like it's like I'm in a trance. Where, oh, I'm like, where I'm just scrolling through and I'm just like every now and then like I chuckle and just like and then I scroll to the next one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just I don't know if I like the feeling like I'm not sure if it's like it's not releasing dopamine like for me, but it's like for some reason I just want to like get to the end and, and there's like no and there's no, there's end. no end. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And like I ended up deleting like TikTok just because I was like, uh, I'm staying up till three in the morning, just like scrolling <laughs> through all this. But like props to Trump. Like I, I barely, I rarely say this, but he sure got a lot of people to download TikTok when he was trying to ban oh it. Oh my god! And like oh his failed experiment to like down to ban TikTok, and then everyone in the and their mother is on it now. So it's like it's kind of crazy. That really annoyed me because this experience working for this tech company has made me very pro banning foreign apps from access to the U.S. public's data or at least like instituting sharp tolls. Not, I, I, don't, I don't think they're tariffs, but just we need to give them a permission structure to even operate in the country because of the amount of value that they're getting out of it. Um, mm-hmm. TikTok is basically spyware, really should be banned. <laughs> and I was, really, I was really sad at like the lukewarm response. I remember he, he like banned it officially over Twitter on Friday and then nothing happened. And on Monday, everybody was still downloading it it's still around like yeah <laughs> everybody just forgot and even when he said like oh i want it to go to an american like like uh i want it to be american and eventually like oracle and walmart for some reason like bought like tiktok in the end turned out that ByteDance sold tiktok for like like hundreds of millions of dollars and they just came they basically came out ahead in this situation it's like like they got <laughs> a whole bunch of people to download the app and then they also sold like their the the app to is that sale even going through anymore? I don't even I don't even know if it is. I I don't even know either, and I would consider myself informed. It it seems to be up in the air. I don't know, but uh, I mean that's also like one trading one devil for another. I, I don't want Walmart to be in charge of that information any more than uh, no. I want <laughs> uh, China and ByteDance. Yeah, not to mention all of the public data that they use to actually facilitate that. Like they. They have massive web crawlers that are just like, oh, we're just going to copy the entire U.S. postal system servers and operate it our own uh, on the side so that we can understand how the mail system works in the U.S. Like that, that is um, scary. (laughs) That's it's totally accessible to anybody who wants it and has the crawler and the processing power in order to do that. And it is very useful potentially to manipulate the u.s right um yeah which is it, it's even scarier what that you that you say that just because of we had an entire we had basically an entire election where most people voted by mail yes so it's like anyone could go into go into our system and basically change a vote if they really wanted to so i want to caution you against that kind of talk because I yeah, do. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they can they can understand who voted and why and how, mm-hmm. but they in this case, if they're just crawling the post office, they can't like change votes. Yeah, um, I will backtrack on that. Like, just having information like that is just is just important. 
Yeah, like, but there's a, an important distinction to make that like having the information allows you to make all of these inferences, but doesn't actually allow you to directly and concretely like change outcomes. It's it's the ability to manipulate people subtly, and and without a grandmaster plan most of the time. Like they're just like, oh, we just need more impressions or more views or more clicks. That's it. There are all of these other like hidden consequences to that that we're just now starting to understand. But it's it's not like it's not like there's a global cabal of adrenochrome drinking nuts who are trying to end the global capitalist order. Let's let's put the kibosh on that right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Let's yeah. Let's just uh, move on to like. You, you said you watched uh, No Man Land. I, Please, I like let's move we, on. I like how we we talk. We're, this is like the most depressing podcast ever. It's like <laughs> with the pandemic. We talk about like our mental health. Then we talk about like how like like other countries are like are looking at their information. And now let's talk about Nomadland. Which was, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, so depressing, I couldn't finish it. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it made me sad. I got about halfway through, and I, it, just, it just hit so close to home, because I'm really worried as American about my ability to retire and keep working, because, or, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live in a van. I'm sure it's very accessible to some people, but I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. I just have come to the realization that like my generation is just never going to retire. Like I it used to bother me at the beginning, like at the beginning, like, Oh God, I'm going to be working forever. And I'm just like, now that I've gone through two recessions, a global pandemic, uh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. just, I could just list them off like for, for hours of just everything that I've been through. It's just like, you know what? If I end up alive at the end of like 50 years, I, I consider that a win at that point in, yeah. in my book. But like back to No Man Land, like I absolutely like adored this movie just because I think Frances McDormand. Oh, she's if she doesn't yeah. get if she doesn't get the Oscar for this, which I don't think she probably will because of the politics involved. But <laughs> but she was just like she really dived into this character. I just like I loved her performance. I loved that just how kind of how vulnerable she was and just and uh, yeah. I don't know, but but you said how far did you get? Like, I I think I got literally exactly halfway through, just about the last. You know, she was working at that uh, park as a manager, and she was deflecting the advances of um that uh, wonderful gray-haired man whose name I forget. And I was really like, this is probably going to have a happy ending where she sort of like learns to become comfortable with where she's at. But uh, I. I'm too high to get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Right. It, it definitely, definitely really affected me, especially listening to the guy in the beginning. The first act was a lot like a journalistic article mm-hmm. on like a nomad. You know, you have, you have the expert testimony, you have the, the intro through an individual character, and then the testimony from a variety of individuals like surrounding the camp. And then, they even went into those those like very interview like documentary testimonials from different people, including that guy who was like trying to get them to divorce themselves from society and become comfortable with that mm-hmm. because he said he was trying to get people out while they, he still could like that. Yeah, that speaks to me. It's definitely something that I can see us needing in the future. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. It's it sucks. I really I I wanted to watch it and talk about it more. But then again, it's also it speaks to exactly what we've been talking about all through this is the 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 specter of the impending downfall of society. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm not saying it's like a happy film, but I really enjoyed just like the look of the film and just yeah, it's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful it's beautifully shot film. It's directed by Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao, have you seen the writer? Uh no. Oh my god. You like well maybe you should watch like another movie like after since you were down in the dumps from Nomadland, you should watch kind of like an uplifting movie and then watch the writer, just because I wouldn't say I would say the writer is a little bit more uplifting than Nomadland, but it's still it's it's still pretty dark. But mm-hmm. like since since we talked like a lot about China, it's super interesting that like Chloe Zhao, like she's an Asian American like filmmaker, where she is basically like seeing like she she has a better grasp on like what American society is like than like actual Americans at this point, and she's telling the story kind of through her lens and what she sees. Basically, like I I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but but. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I just think that's fascinating that she was willing to, to tell like this heartfelt story of like this of of just American society. It's it's yeah. great, but I think you should still finish it. it like I wouldn't oh, say I, I'm going to return when I'm in a in a better state of mind. Yeah, um, probably I, tonight. Yeah, I don't think that you're obviously going to be crying at the, by the end of it, or just mm-hmm. like not like happy with the ending but i think it, it ends pretty well yeah no I, I could kind of see that coming i haven't watched a lot of movies that don't have happy endings i used to watch a lot of movies i was thinking about this last night because i was thinking about like why can't i finish this movie i used to watch water watch a lot of movies that really got an emotional draw out of me i really enjoyed searching for movies that surprised me and now I know all of these movies that I could watch and enjoy watching them, but I just, I don't have the emotional range for it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather like zone out in front of a TV show for hours rather than watch a two hour movie for some reason. And I always, myself, but I only have time for an episode and not an entire movie. I'm right. sure we're, the same. we're, we're <laughs> um, on the same wavelength at this point. Yeah. Like right when this first started, I was just like, I don't want to see movies about the pandemic. I don't want <laughs> yeah. to see like, like, some like screenwriter like sitting in his apartment because he's trapped inside. He's like, Oh, I'm going to write a screenplay about like wearing a mask and like a deadly virus. And I'm like, I don't want to like witness like this hell that we've all been in for a year. And like, like, especially during the pandemic, like I've kind of, I felt more at home watching like TV shows and like movies that I already know are good. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, I barely watched like anything new just because I didn't want to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like I basically rewatched community about a thousand times, <laughs> like over and over and then watched like episodes of the office just because it was just on. And now I, I have to subscribe to Peacock now because mm. it's off Netflix, but I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it's, it, it was really frustrating. Like seeing like the Oscar nominations just because all of them are pretty depressing and all of them are just like, that's Oscars in general. That's Oscars in a nutshell. But I rarely saw, like, I think I've seen like maybe one movie 
and uh, like out of out of all of them, that was and that was Nomadland. But I don't I, know. I've seen uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven and uh, the Borat movie, yeah. um, which really speaks to where my mind's at because both of them are about <laughs> political protests, mm-hmm. and they both were very topical. I, I enjoyed both of them, even even though Trial of the Chicago Seven is a little bit hegemonic. Like I, I heard, a, it was pretty bad. Like. Like, I mean, it's it's a historical fiction written from actual events, so it's pretty dry sometimes. And like, if you don't know anything about it, you're going to be interested in. But if you do, you're going to be upset because it's not perfect. It it tells everything from the perspective of two white boys from a major university instead of telling it from the perspective of the protesters who were really in the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one thing to say. And then it's you know it's a uh, what's that writer's name? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. It's, it's an Aaron Sorkin uh, oh. joint. You know, it's like courtroom drama, a lot of talking, talking fast. But it's cool. Like the the story of the protesters. I can't remember the main guy, but the founder of the Yippie movement. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic character and played by uh, Sasha Baron Cohen to perfection. And there's there's like a through line between that character and Borat. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, as 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 people who use comedy for social change to shock people out of their complacency with what's going on. Yeah. I can tell he, he really got into that. Nice. At least I think I can. Yeah. I'll probably see it like eventually, but I did see Borat too, which yeah, it, th- that was one thing where I was just like, okay, I know the first Borat was great. I know the second Borat, it probably won't live up to my expectations, but I'll still like enjoy it. And I, I, I absolutely did. I freaking like, I don't know. I, it made me so happy and also kind of weirded out that like Borat's like like daughter, it was his sister, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, his, his, daughter, his daughter. Yeah, his, his daughter w- w- is nominated for an Oscar and like he isn't for that movie. Like it, like that's such a weird like point of the timeline that we're in right now that Borat's <laughs> daughter is nominated for an Oscar and like I don't know. I think it's great. I think she was she did a great job in it, but out of all of the people in that in that film, I would not, I wouldn't have thought that the Academy would have picked, would would have picked her. <laughs> but I, I I totally think she deserves it, and I think they deserve it. The the writing award, uh, and, and Stasha Brand Cohen is on that award too, so he is getting some cred because uh, the the fact that it was a documentary that was filming during the time that the pandemic started to get, to get underway mm-hmm. I mean, they they just couldn't have timed that better that documentary is going to go down in the history of documentaries yeah. in class as an example of like what it was like to live in the pandemic at the time um, exactly like when he went like I, I remember like watching like the film and the when it just kind of transitions into people wearing masks and talking about the pandemic and covid like mm-hmm. it just kind of does it like like on a flip of a hat like it was yeah. just kind of it just drops it drops it like right in and it and, totally fits within the, the the plot that they already developed mm-hmm. like i really want to get behind the scenes and see how they developed that movie and like how many different scenes they tried to do and the timeline at which they filmed the scenes because like there's a lot of magic that happened in the editing to tie that all together right it was like the two like freaking Trump supporters that he was like mm, yeah. quarantined with. Yeah, he was quarantined with them. And just like those interactions he had with them were just so like were, were, perfect. Yeah. So topical. Like, so 
I, I, I felt for both those guys, like, they're definitely super friendly to let him into their life and mm-hmm. let the camera crew into their life. Mm-hmm. And then they talked about, like, <laughs> being free thinkers and not giving into conspiracy theories and then totally talking about conspiracy theories. Ah, it's great. Yeah. I don't think it's their fault that they're like that, you know? Like, yeah. they're, they're totally... I, I think normal people can totally be drawn into conspiracy theories and craziness. It's totally possible. Well, it's it's upbringing at that point. It's yeah, like it's yeah. basically how your parents raised you, and like where your critical thinking level is at, and just yeah, and yeah. But also, they had that massive house. Like, yeah, there's, there's two old guys living in this great place with like nice concrete floors and space. Like they they were definitely like a little comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. compared to the characters in Nomadland. Yeah. Well, they also weren't. Well, no, Madeline wasn't in California, but we all we all know that we 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 pay for California weather out here, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just super expensive. But yeah, my but, my power's been out up here several are, times. Yeah, I was my power was out for when we had that big storm. It was like I think it was out for like a week and a half. Oh snap! Yeah, it yeah. was that up back in like August and September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah me too. It, and the whole the whole valley here was inundated with smoke. I was having like terrible breathing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of health issues for a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and if you live in related, Texas, yeah. if you oh, live yeah. in Texas, a lot of like temperature problems too, and people freezing to death. It's like, oh my god, the whole world's crumbling like right before our eyes. So, <laughs> but uh, it feels like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, like, like we all get a stimulus. I hope on Friday, apparently. I'm yeah. supposed to get mine. Oh, yeah. And this is like, I have a lot of anxiety about the future, but I'm in a good spot. Like, I'm able to work remotely for salary. And then I, the, the meeting I had just before this was an interview to be an assistant editor with a commercial studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very excited for that. It, it looks like I might start on Monday, which is, would be insane. That's awesome. Uh, that would, that would, that would culminate my entire USC career and make all of the loans almost worthwhile that that's awesome connor i'm su- I'm super happy for you thank but, you i'll try yeah. to pull you in <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah you don't have to but if there's like i don't know like a production assistant job or something yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but Dude, uh, come on down yeah yeah for sure and then we'll we'll make that like that move to la like actual uh yeah. like a, a reality you know especially now that everyone's been vaccinated pretty much in california i think that's one good thing <laughs> I, th- I think that's one good thing. Like, uh, oh my god, it's yeah. No, we, we well, our, our vaccine rollout in California is pretty bad. Uh, really? Compared, yeah, compared to other states, they're already into one C oh, phase. Uh, I'm so as I've been talking to you, I've been sending state push notifications for news, so I'm pretty up to date as mm-hmm. with with news and like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida. They're all into like vaccinating smokers and vaccinating people over 50 mm-hmm. and California is still like a, like a month away from that. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, partly because like California has more people, but also like LA is doing really good. I don't know. It's been, there's a bunch uh, of little small weird. counties in California where you can't, it's, it's probably hard to get the vaccine, but, and yeah. And when, and, and when people think of like California, they really just think of LA. So when you, when you hear like the news yeah. stories, they're like, oh yeah, California's all vaccinated. I'm like, uh, which counties are you talking about? 
Are you talking about yeah, Sac County? Yeah, been really like... good. But my sister got vaccinated, and she's a waitress in LA. Um, mm-hmm. Also trying to do the film industry, like she's been acting on the side and is like looking at getting an agent. So uh, she'll also hook you up. <laughs> but yeah, but she just got vaccinated and just went went up in the drive through. Didn't have to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. But then, like up here in in Tommy, apparently the county has all of the doses they need for the entire population, but doesn't have the resources to give everybody vaccinations at a high speed because it's they don't have the money for that. So, and isn't that that was like originally like the problem, like before, because the Pfizer vaccine and I think the Moderna, like they they basically have to be kept at super cold temperatures. And that like that was like everyone's fear at the beginning, like all these major cities. Yeah, they'll get vaccinated. But then it's like the small counties where they get kind of left out where you said they just don't have the budget to. Yeah. To get it out to everyone. So it's like. I'm starting to think like maybe like that Johnson and Johnson vaccine will actually come in handy, even though it's only 66 percent like it'll protect you. But it's it's good. It'll be it'll be much more effective than that. The vaccine trials, they're very conservative in their estimates and they have a small sample size. And Mm. like by and large, uh, apparently they've been discovering that the vaccines are much more effective in like the wide populace. Like Israel's has has fifty percent of their population vaccinated, and they've had um, among the vaccinated people like ninety six percent of them didn't have any symptoms at all, as opposed to like the original estimates, which are more like sixty to seventy percent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely been better. This is a good one. Michigan court rules Secretary of State violated law. I will send this push. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, we're 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 doing good. Though I'd still stay inside for the next two months because apparently I oh, don't have to tell me twice. So. Yeah, the, the the COVID variants are wrapping up, and now like a majority of the cases in some states like Michigan and Florida. So it's, it's like they've been predicting another the fourth wave. Uh, the fourth, the, yeah, the fourth wave. Even though I hear like all these waves, I'm like, it doesn't feel like we ever made it out of the first wave. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the way like we handled it all and just like our leadership at that time. And just, I don't know, but, but yeah, back to movies though. It's like, no, we keep going back. Please do. I know we keep going back to like COVID and just like depressing topics, but I saw sound of metal. Like, Oh yeah. How's that? Like I really enjoyed it. I thought like, uh, I thought it was like super interesting, like, like art piece on like kind of like the deaf culture. Like you don't really get a lot of movies about that, and just like it's basically about a, like a metal drummer that loses his hearing. Yeah, like, I've, basically, I've seen the Amazon ads. He's basically at the top of his. Well, I wouldn't say at the top of his career, but in in his eyes, I think he he believes he he has everything, but uh, then loses his hearing. And the way he loses his hearing, I, like I need to look at the nominations, but I I would be shocked if he like Sound of Metal doesn't get like an editing award. Uh huh. Just because. <laughs> Just the way they like introduce sound and like and and cut the sound off to just show that like uh, of what it's like to be deaf. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such like an in- interesting and artistic uh, artistic way of like of just showing and like hearing that in a way. I think the performances are are top notch and and I don't know. I just uh, I just thought it was really really fascinating, really depressing, but still but like, it's still a good film. <laughs> I, I was also going to avoid that one on account of it looked depressing. Like, uh, 
I I saw uh, the movie about the uh, the Alzheimer's uh, the woman with Alzheimer's early onset a couple years ago. I can't remember what it was called. It was just her name. And the the last line in the movie is uh, Kristen Stewart reading this poem and then asking her mother what it the poem was about. And her mother, who has no idea who she is or what's going on, just says love. And it's it it was like this perfect moment where her entire personality had been stripped away to its core essence, and her core essence was love, which was supposed to be positive, but also I I would have offed myself long before that. <laughs> like she oh tried. To, <laughs> Don't say that, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. It, she, she didn't have the. I don't know. It was it was depressing for me even after all of that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I. You know. I, I enjoyed watching these movies when. I was younger and had less adult things to worry about as well. I, you know, I wanted to yeah, have more emotional uh, yeah. range. I think like I'm in that same boat where it's just like, I watch movies for an escape. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy like seeing documentaries about uh, uh, seeing, watching documentaries and just, and learning more about like a certain issue. But generally I'll watch movies to escape, which is like, yeah. It absolutely crushed me like in 2020 to like not be able to go to the movie theater because I'm sure you you and I are basically like the same. We we see going to the movie theaters as like I don't mean to offend anyone. Like going to the movie theaters for me it was like going to church. Where it's yes. like on Sunday I'll go over there Sunday morning just go by myself and watch a movie in a dark theater and just like just get embraced in like in these performances and this world and just just have a good time and the fact that i can't have that anymore <laughs> where it's like it, it it's kind of it's it's kind of eating away at me so it's like yeah totally it, it it me as well that was actually something that that professor that spit on people and shook them uh talked about was was movies as a religious experience um because it's a communal experience with the audience that you don't speak about but you know other people are uh, there with you mm-hmm. And uh, and everybody else who watches the movie is also like with you in that, even though they're not present, which is really cool. I I went to movies alone all the time in L.A. when I was depressed because it was like other people were busy or they weren't interested in like the indie movies that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. But it was still it's so worth it. I, I, I really remember seeing The Lost City of Z in like a theater with five people mm-hmm. and, and just just being blown away. Uh, stuff like that. I don't it's, think I've seen that one. Oh fuck yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite movie of the decade, I think. Really? Oh man, I got to tell you, I uh, I had the opportunity of maybe we could talk about this. I had the opportunity because I was working at the at USC filming classes and talks. They they gave like ten tickets to go see the Last Jedi premiere because it was at USC. Uh, so I like. And Got Ryan Johnson it. directed it. He's a USC alum, wasn't he? Yeah, and Ryan Johnson's brick got me into movie making. Like that was, yeah. <laughs> I think you, I, you told me this, but I freaking love you for that, Connor. I fucking love Brick. Brick is it's, it's one of my favorites. It's it's so good. I love Ryan Johnson just all together. And but uh, what were you going to say about Last Jedi? I, I won't go off on a tangent. So, uh, no, I was going to say it's it's it was the it was the best movie going experience I've ever had. Um, I loved it. I don't understand at all people who didn't like that movie. I mean, I guess I understand it a little bit, but I, I also don't. I don't. I don't understand. So <laughs> Thank we're you. we're yeah, in that yes, same we're camp. In, great. 
it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies, I think, of all time. Just because I love that. I always go back to this and people always like they get so angry with me when I mention this. But I'm pretty sure that you're going to love this scene, too. I love the fact that this movie starts with it it basically starts in silence where Mm -hmm. you you care about like this one character, like when she drops the bombs on the Star Destroyer. She mm-hmm. doesn't have a single line of dialogue. I cared, I cared for that character more than any of the new characters that throughout the entire uh, like new trilogy. Yeah, Where, and just seeing, I've just love like that battle scene of like of, of just like a, a Tie Fighter flying by like this window, and the window is just shattering, like like rattling. It's like uh-huh. I just felt, I, I just felt like what it feels like to be in like a battle like that. It just had so much emotion and so much power to it. And I'm just like, I I remember watching that alone at a theater here in Sacramento. And I love Ryan Johnson. And I, I was literally crying throughout that entire film. Oh, great. And yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so great. And just like, it's, I love that he, he had the balls to take risks on like a major property like that. Mm-hmm. And just, and I don't know, I, I really just hope it just doesn't, ruin his ruin his career because everyone's like hate tweeting him and and stuff like that but no Ka- kathleen kennedy uh gave him his own star wars trilogy mm-hmm. uh after seeing the first cut and was like go do your own original trilogy so that's going to come out hopefully in a few years if that's still happening it yeah i'm i'm looking forward to that and anything else he does mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think okay. if i have like the the only like issue that I have with that film would be the casino planet. I still to mm. this day like I will rewatch it like probably after this, and I still don't understand like why they even went to like that planet because of like the whole like um like the code breaker or whatever. Uh-huh. Like they went to go find like this one dude, and it turned out like this dude was just like a random dude played by um, who's that one actor and stuff like that. And it wasn't actually the dude they were looking for. Uh-huh. I thought the misdirection, I understand uh, and see where he was going with that with like the whole misdirection. But I, I, I don't know. It's, it just bothers me. It just bothered me a little bit. So, but that is the thing that I most misunderstand about people who don't like it because it was, it was right there. They found not who they wanted, but who they needed, mm-hmm. you know, and and he still has like a larger role to play in what the characters learn in the area. If that movie has a problem, it's that he had to write it from the lukewarm oatmeal that is J.J. Abrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like he he talked about it in some interviews that because I I saw again, I saw it twice in a week and. The second time he had an interview afterwards, um, he and his DP, who's amazing, and he talked about writing it. And uh, he wrote it while he was looking at the dailies from The Force Awakens and talked with J.J. Abrams about why he was doing things. And J.J. was like, so we can't have Luke in this one for obvious like marketing reasons. Like we, we don't really have a role for him. We need to introduce these new characters. So he has to go away. See, he can't be part of like the culture as it is. So therefore he is going to be on this remote Island somewhere and he is going to be outcast from society. Why that is don't care. We're going to figure that out later. We're going to leave that to you, Ryan 
uh, to figure out why he's on that remote island in the middle of nowhere and considered a legend. So he, so, so he did the best possible job he mm-hmm. could, given that, that constraint, that Luke was on this island and was there of his own volition. I feel like the, this new trilogy was like basically written like basically like a D&D campaign. Yeah, there yeah. was no where there was no guidelines just going in and like jj abrams obviously had his vision and then ryan johnson was just supposed to come in there and just basically like okay i guess i can make a story out of this i'm gonna i'm gonna try he writes a damn good story everyone hates it and then jj abrams just comes in to just clean up the crap those scraps and just like and basically yeah. just we can talk about freaking what put rise of skywalker for... I haven't seen it as, okay. as a protest. Okay. I don't want to. I don't remember it. I don't remember <laughs> it. <laughs> so that, I guess that will... Tell you everything I, I need to know? Yeah, it tells you everything yeah. I, you need to know because I really hated that film. It, it basically throws away everything that Ryan Johnson like established in The mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Like uh, What I love about Last Jedi was that I've, I love the, the fact that it was a Ray. Yeah, Ray was... Yeah basically a nobody yeah you don't have to be a skywalker to be like this great and awesome jedi you can be like you can be anything you want and then Mm -hmm. jj abrams is just like fuck no let's like like i love star wars growing up i don't want it to change it's just like it's just like this constant tug of war like going back and forth and kathleen kennedy is in the middle of it yeah kind of getting pulled apart it's just like i don't know it's so it, it was it was really frustrating to watch, and even it was frustrating to watch too, just because of uh, the passing of um, Princess Leia. Very very, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, was super that was awkward. one of the reasons why Ryan Johnson didn't want to do the last one. He said that like all of his plots involved Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. so it's like, what do you do now? And uh, and even like I I'm sure even completing Last Jedi without her was difficult. But that being said, like there were options that JJ could have done. They could have like gone to the, you know, unexplored regions or whatever, and then sort of investigated and discovered uh, Snoke's empire that now he was missing from. And so maybe it's like flailing around like a dead snake and uh, and sort of investigating that. There, there were there were a lot of places they could still go. It wasn't there wasn't like a huge mistake to kill Snoke or anything like that. That was an opportunity that they missed. So more stuff that I was missed about. <laughs> right. I, ugh, I don't want to turn this into like, we hate JJ Abrams uh-huh. like podcast, but like, I, cause I don't hate JJ Abrams. I think he's like, I, I liked some of his films and I think he's mm-hmm. a really talented filmmaker. I just feel like he, especially now he, he's controlled by the fans and like yeah, his whole mystery yeah. box, his whole mystery box, like, like idea of like, only revealing so much at a, at a certain time and like kind of pulling the rug out from under. Yeah. And I feel like that, like the whole mystery box kind of like threw Ryan Johnson for a loop and he just kind of created his own thing, kind of built, built off that. And then JJ Abrams was like, that, no, that's not what I meant. It's like, there should have been more communication between JJ Abrams and Ryan just to like make, like there was definitely a lack of communication there. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think they thought that like, writing it before shooting and writing it during shooting was the same thing. If you have the same story principles apply and they did up until the point where JJ was like, no, like in, in writing last Jedi, he talked about uh, Johnson did taking each of the characters and then 
depriving them of what they were defined by. Uh, so for Poe, he's like he's he's a he's a hero jock who does things with his fighter. So the first thing I'm going to do is take that away. And for Ray, we're going to uh, she defines herself by her parents. So the first thing I'm going to do is take that away. And and take away like the promise of Luke as a uh, mentor because that gives her actual problems to deal with rather than just giving her a mentor and solving it for her. Same with uh, can't remember his name, but the guy who went to the casino planet. Like we're going to deprive you of the support network that you wanted in the Rebels, and we're going to drop you in a new place and have you like learn that you you need to be the hero and you don't need that support network. So it, it all, it all still made sense from like a screenwriting structure perspective, mm-hmm. yeah. which, was, which was sad to see because it was, it was so, it was so character based every, every decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think like the, like what I hear people complain about last Jedi the most is, is they didn't like that Luke was just so unlikable, but yeah. you got to put yourself in Luke's shoes at that point. Like mm-hmm. he's been stranded on that island for God knows how long. Yeah. Like, I, I would burned. be jaded. Yeah. I would be jaded yeah. just as much as it's like, I, would, I think I would be even more jaded than I, he actually was. Yeah. And, and I, he's I, already a dark character. Like he's brooding and, and withdrawn in the third of the original trilogy. You know, well, I, I don't think it's such a stretch to, to put him on an Island somewhere. Mm-hmm. Even though it does come off as a stretch that he like was tempted to attack his, uh, his nephew. But just because we weren't there, you know, he he had to develop as a character in those 20 years that we didn't see him mm-hmm. as well. I think it's Ryan Johnson quickly discovered, like, after Last Jedi was released, it's that Star Wars, Star Wars fans are the worst in a way, yeah. just because they see everything at surface value. Because it's like, I think that, like, the fact that they have, like, an entire meme ba- based on, like, who shot first. That's mm-hmm. that's based on like how they see Star Wars. They see it as, at surface value. They see yeah. like like whenever something is changed and like it's right before their right in front of their eyes, they're like, oh my god, like this is not how I remember it. And it's like I think what George Lucas did to the original trilogy, I don't agree with, but that's his decision. And I feel like fans in general, it doesn't have to be Star Wars fans. Fans in general need to like respect like the creators, like decisions whether like whether yeah. i agree with them or not like but like that like i said like that's his decision i should respect that yeah and it, it 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 troubles me that they're so invested in the individual details like costumes and the way that a tie fighter looks mm-hmm. and not in the the characters and the ultimate message like i had a real problem with the force awakens being about the rebels as a force for change again Mm-hmm. because they made the rebels the like the hegemonic uh, power in 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 the area and they made it more like the US when it was originally the Vietnamese mm-hmm. and the and the US was the empire it tasted of like a disney decision to corporatize the the message and make sure that it was applicable to everyone and didn't rock the boat mm-hmm. um, nobody talks about that and The Last Jedi, to its credit, was about the little guy fighting against both the 
the powers in the Rebel Alliance and in the Proto Empire thing. Can't remember the name of it, but the name doesn't matter, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have the same problem with Marvel fans. Like, I, I wish they'd get off their their <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 ask for better, more interesting characters and, right. and less special effects. Yeah, I like how you kind of spun it into Marvel. Into Marvel, <laughs> which is why I. You said you saw WandaVision, right? Because I think WandaVision yeah. is probably Marvel Marvel Studios' like most ambitious, and it's such a different like like cinematic experience as compared to like Endgame or Infinity War. Like yeah. I felt like it actually cared for its characters. It's true. I think as a TV show, like it had a lot more leeway to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but still, it was almost as if like Marvel was like how can we praise and support Disney's past works as much as possible mm-hmm. while like making noises about making a new thing without actually making a new thing? Oh, let's just like explore Wanda entirely through media that already exists, mm-hmm. which is, it's disappointing. It focuses too much on nostalgia and less on new things. And there, it, some, some of the episodes were just like one or two gags Mm-hmm. but didn't actually develop the characters, especially the first ones. And I, I wish they'd done more character development uh, in the vein. I think we talked about this of like Vince Gilligan does, mm-hmm. you know, rather than spending a half an hour on like a magic show gag. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think like the first two episodes were obviously just there for shock value because it's like, like they're obviously like, they're in black and white and you, I, I saw a lot of people get mad at like the first two episodes because they're like, oh, this is boring. It's like in black mm-hmm. and white. Just because mm-hmm. you can't apparently like here in America, you can't watch like a film or a TV show if it's in black and white. I think Roma mm-hmm. is like a huge is a huge like like it supports that statement just because yeah. no one watches black and white films. Like it has to be in color, but Yeah. And as fancy as Mank is, like it has no chance. Oh <laughs> I haven't even seen Mank. Like, Me neither. I don't even want to at this point. <laughs> no, and part of, partly, partly, honestly, it's because it's three hours in black and white. Oh, it's three uh, hours long. I don't even. I don't know. I can't. I don't. Don't quote me on that. But okay. it, it seems long. <laughs> that's a. That's <laughs> thank you. Right? Give me the impression of being long. Yeah. Why do you have to say that? Because now, now, now I have to see it because it's Fincher. I pretty much love everything that that guy puts out. Yeah, I'm like, eventually gonna sit down and like when I'm feeling better about life. Mm-hmm. watch these right I'll probably <clears throat> do the same thing but like yeah it's just so but what was i saying <laughs> i think we were talking about wandavision and then something else yeah wandavision i i just enjoyed that series so much just because like when i when i go into like a marvel like film i like i know i know what i'm getting because like it's such like a it's basically like an algorithm at that point. Like we know like what to hit. Yeah. And what I enjoyed about like WandaVision was that it was so different and yeah, like it doesn't develop its characters like as well as like any other like film, but it broke the mold. It broke the Marvel like cinematic mold, which mm-hmm. the last episode felt like it was just a complete contradiction of that and just said, no, let's just have like this final battle scene of like these yeah. two witches like fighting in the sky. I'm like, Okay, WandaVision, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, that that one was the, the worst episode for me. I totally tuned out. Yeah, it was just 
I don't know, I expected to see like a giant blue beam in the sky, which we kind of got that in the yeah. previous episode where uh, with Agatha like getting all her powers, like there was a giant blue light. It's just like, uh-huh. yeah, but uh, I, I still enjoyed yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Dude, speaking of towering blue lights in the sky, my favorite media thing from the last, I don't know, decade is mm-hmm. Chernobyl, the miniseries. Speaking of d- dark and depressing like content, uh-huh. like I st- haven't watched it just because it's like it, that's an HBO series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, it's so topical, and the the podcast that Craig Mazin does afterwards to talk about how he wrote it mm-hmm. very very worthwhile. Okay. Um, the quote it it's so topical because the quote is uh, that the truth will eventually catch up with you. Oh wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> And it, it so applies to all of these people who are like anti-mask and uh, think that there's election fraud, like the truth has caught up to them and they've become further divorced from reality. Just like the, the Russian administrators who couldn't believe that the blue light in the sky meant that the reactor had exploded. They're like, oh, it's just a trick of the light. No, it's just a conspiracy from the lower level scientists to get like, like upstage our power. All that, all that really happened. It's, it's very, very worthwhile. That's super. I'm not sure if I can watch something like that, like especially now. <laughs> like I might actually, I might actually like, like off myself. <laughs> like just because it's like I don't know. It, like that's yeah. And there's uh, and so the final shot of it is a picture of a uh, a Mickey Mouse ripoff statue that was in the Chernobyl area because they built it to like masquerade as uh, a consumerist culture and take their cues from America. It's, it's like so apparent that we are now due for the same, or we were due for the same reckoning and, and we were, <laughs> it happened. Like right. just, just as Craig Mazin, the God that he is, uh, said it would. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like this virus has taken yeah, like over 500,000 like American lives. Like yeah. when, when I think about the number, Everyone's just like, oh, the death rate is so it, it's so low. I'm just like, five hundred thousand people have died, like from this virus. Like that's that's like, I think it, I forget like the actual stat. We're, we're, we're at five hundred and fifty thousand right now, which is way more than even I thought it was. Like the last time I paid attention to that statistic, it was like mm-hmm. four hundred thousand. Yeah, it's like to put that in perspective. Like I like only like I think it was like only two thousand people died on nine eleven. And like, it's crazy, but uh, I'll probably check out Chernobyl probably later, like six months later, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but that sounds like a super interesting, like, piece. like, like I have HBO Max now. So I'm like, I got it mainly because actually tonight, like the Snyder Cut is released finally to ever for everyone to see. And I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, of like comic book movies like in general but i love that the snyder cut is about to exist just because like it because you you don't see stuff something like this like happening like it, it's it, like usually studios like they hold on to cuts like this mm-hmm. i don't know what he did to have so much sway but he do, like he doesn't have a track record of like amazing movies mm-hmm. he, he has to be a good good producer like a good person to work with because like nobody else gets this treatment you know Um, he already has this like massive contract with uh dc to just Mm -hmm. do whatever he wants and 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 make most of their stuff so like 
props to him. <laughs> well, I think he gets it just because he's like he's just a broy dude. <laughs> it's like he just walks in. He just walks into like he just walks into a room and just like, hey, I'm doing this, and like the, some studio exec is just like, oh, okay, and then he just walks out. That's how, <laughs> that's how I picture Snyder doing anything. Uh-huh. Just kind of like how Christopher Nolan, like, can just do he whatever just he wants. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of. Like the way I see Christopher Nolan like pitching Tenet, like I'm not sure if you've seen Tenet, but I haven't. I really want to, but I couldn't. I just couldn't get a hold of it. I mean, um, it's not on major streaming networks. Um, it, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's you don't like it? it. I feel like I would have liked it more if I saw it in theaters. I saw yeah. it at home, and I'm like, I understand why Christopher Nolan was like this. Like he's this huge advocate for theaters, is because. His movies are designed for the big screen. Yeah, they're but, they're like they're like information overload, mm-hmm. and you sort of that it makes it a positive effect. You said information overload. Just think what Christopher Nolan does normally, just times fifty. Uh-huh. That's what Tenet is, uh-huh. and just like I don't know, I'd have to, I think I've seen it twice already, and I'm probably gonna have to see it a third time just because I bought it because I'm like a fool, but yeah. but because like during the pandemic, it's like we can't see movies now. And it's like, we have to, um, I think this, like this whole $20, $30 rental thing is kind of dumb. I think the industry need to, needs to rethink that. I understand they're losing a ton of money on like these productions, but it's like, I don't want to pay $30 for like a film that I'm only going to watch like once. It's like, yeah, yeah. but I understand like, like, the, like they had to rush to like get these movies like released and they didn't know like when theaters are going to be back. So it's like, it's like, Hey, like we're going to like fly blind on this, but I like what HBO max is doing where they're just basically doing day and date releases where they're just like pay a subscription fee. And we're just going to release all of our content day and date with like the theater release. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, but, but still like, like we were talking about earlier, there's, there's definitely a place for, for theaters and yeah, for sure. Especially. Yeah, uh, I just don't know when I'm actually going to go back to a theater at this point. Like, I know. Maybe when I'm vaccinated. I'll probably do uh, it when yeah, I'm vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I, I have a, a strong online support network through, like, Discord gaming and stuff like that, which has really gotten me through this place. And, and I, but I can't wait until I am able to get vaccinated. And, like, I don't have a particular fear of getting coronavirus myself but like my entire extended family lives in sonora and they're all in like a high risk group and mm-hmm. they all insist on seeing each other because they have an old-fashioned in-person support network mm-hmm. um, which is probably better and so like because i'm in contact with them like our bubble is particularly fragile mm-hmm. so not much i can do yeah right and i think that you're you're kind of playing it like the best way possible it's like like i'm I'm not too worried about getting it either but it's like it's more of like protecting the people around me like protecting like like my three-year-old niece protecting my mom protecting my dad it's like protecting like my friends that are much older than me and at high risk and it's like yeah where did like caring for other people go (laughs) it's like it's, How it's, hard is it to convince somebody to like care about your your friends and family? It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's don't know. It, it just bothers me. But before we get back, uh, get no, down a rabbit hole, 
depressing. Yeah. We've been talking for like 90 minutes. It feels like three hours at this point. So mm-hmm. we need to, when all this is over, I want to like go to a bar with you and just like have a beer and just That'd be great and just chill. Like that's yeah. the one thing like I like, like I miss movie theaters. I just miss like going to like Midtown Sacramento, just walking into a bar with no mask and just saying, Hey, can I have a pint? I'm like, I, I missed that experience and just yeah. reading like, just, I think I actually wrote like a script of like, just like, it's not like something I would make, but like, I really miss like, just like that bar atmosphere of just like, yeah, just sitting down like at, at the bar and just all the people that I talk to it. It's, it's crazy, but hopefully we'll get back to that. But Connor, thank you for, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. This Blast. has been fun. Anytime. Yeah. But anyways, do you, like, do you have any socials or anything like that? Like, do you want to like, <laughs> do you want to plug? Oh man. Yeah. I, I'm not on any social networks in any like fixed capacity. I tried Instagram and couldn't get over the fact that you have to administrate it on the phone. Mm-hmm. I need to get my website back up, but it's mm-hmm. cjacob.info. Okay. And um, people can I, see I your... out of money. People okay. can see my short films or mm-hmm. well, some of them uh, through there. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. But yeah, just let us know when that <laughs> comes back up. <laughs> I will. But yeah, will. Uh, C- Connor, it's been a pleasure. Like, Thanks. I really miss like having these conversations with you. We need to like maybe do this like once a week and just kind of 